The scripture comes from Philippians, the first chapter, and it is Paul's prayer. I'd like to read verses 3 through 11, Philippians chapter 1. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This much the word of our Lord. Let's ask his blessing and presence. Almighty God, we are so thankful for your word. Thank you for these words of instruction from Paul. Thank you that they come to us not as a theological treatise or an argument, but as a personal letter from a dear brother imprisoned for the sake of Christ, whose concerns are your concerns and whose brothers and sisters are on his mind and heart. May we receive this prayer and his prayers as instruction this morning. May they lead us to pursue in our lives what he prays would be true of our lives. And may we gain in wisdom and understanding. May we grow finally in knowing you and be drawn to come more closely to you. That we would know you. That we would understand who you are and discern your will more and more. That we would care about the things you care about. That we would realize the good things that are ours in Christ Jesus. And that in this understanding and realization, we would be moved to live the life that you would see us live, that we would see for ourselves, Lord. Please be present by your Spirit to bring your word home to our hearts and minds this morning. And we will give you the thanks in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it is uh, wonderful to be here with you this morning. While my wife April and I haven't gotten to know a lot of you well over the last few years, it has uh, been a great part of our lives to be able to come and visit Vero Beach and to get to know this community a little bit, to get to know this church a little bit, um, and immediately to have a wonderful sense of fellowship and friendship here with you. Uh, for those of you who don't know, our daughter Rachel and her husband David, who have just celebrated their first year anniversary, um, have been a part of this church in a couple of years coming into their marriage. And so it was great fun to come down to see them and be with you on Sunday mornings. Mike and Barb have become wonderful friends as well in this process. And Mike and Barb came up to Gainesville, our hometown, uh, where Mike officiated at, at uh, Rachel and Dave's wedding. So just wonderful connections with you all. And then they just kind of keep going from there. 
Um, in your congregation is Terry Smick, who takes me back to the church in which I grew up. This morning I walk in and I meet Bud and Ann Tobin, who would have last heard me preach 32 years ago, I think it must be at this point, uh, back in Pennsylvania. There are people who seem to migrate from up north to these parts. Um, these are wonderful, wonderful, rich connections, and, and they are wonderful examples of the fellowship that we have in Christ over the miles, over the years, that we take for granted sometimes, perhaps. But boy, I'll tell you, the fellowship in Christ is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And to have these moments where you experience it in families and in distant friends, uh, distant only in miles and years, but wonderfully close in fellowship is a, is a great thing. So wonderful to be with you and a great privilege to open the scriptures with you this morning and to look at this prayer and a couple of other of Paul's prayers. Um, we're only going to glance at them. I'm only going to point you in the direction of these prayers. But Paul wrote four prison epistle prayers. Each one of them is very brief. And the premise of our study this morning is simply this, that if you're looking for some good goals in life, if you're looking to think about this coming week and ask yourself, what would make this a good week? I submit to you that we cannot do better than to go to the prayers of Scripture, such as the prayers of the Apostle, and see what these prayers are praying for. Because Paul is praying for the Christians of his day, and by implication, the Christians of our day. And so we can go to these prayers, take Paul's prayer requests as he articulates them and say, you know what? Anything that the apostle is praying would be true in my life is probably something that it would be good for me to have as a goal in my life. Make sense? Very simple idea, but I'll tell you, it has been a wonderfully fruitful idea for my, my own walk with Christ. And there are some wonderfully specific and at the same time large ideas in these prayers. What's the apostle praying would be true in your life? Let's find out and make those things goals that we would pursue day by day. Again, I'll only point you in the direction of a couple of these prayers um, and let you do more work on your own. There are four of them that work very nicely over the next week or the next four weeks as, uh, as, as occasions for your own further study. But in this prayer, we see in verses 9 through 11 what Paul is actually praying for. Having given thanks for the believers, he says in verse 9, And this is my prayer. Now listen, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We could spend a long time unpacking specifically and phrase by phrase what he's praying for, but just a couple of things that certainly jump out at me that, that, that catch my attention and give me some specific ways to think about this coming week. One is that love would abound more and more. Again, I ask you, what would make this a good week? That it would be trouble-free? That you would get this or that done that you want to get done? What would make it a good week? I submit to you that one of the things that would make it a good week is that love would abound more and more. 
that the people in our lives that are close to us, whom we love, would be loved by us even more this coming week than they were in the last week. That the random stranger that you run into at the grocery store or wherever it might be would be someone that you are seeing more and more clearly as someone who needs the love of Christ and that you are Christ's way of bringing that love into her life. That we go into this week thinking, I want love to abound more and more. Another specific goal of this prayer is that we would be able to discern what is best or what is excellent. I love that way of thinking. Paul is praying, no, don't just pray that you'll sort of get by. Don't just pray that good will be good enough or that things are pretty much neutral except for this little list of things that we know we're supposed to avoid. No, let's, let's discern what is best and pursue what is excellent in the sight of God. That's what we want to do this week. That's what we want to do in this day. That's what we want to do when we go to work at whatever we go to work at on a Monday morning or a Wednesday afternoon, whether it's work we get paid for or just stuff that needs to be done. That's what we would go for in our relationships, in our family life, that good enough is not good enough. <laughs> I want to discern what is best and what is excellent. Well, I, I, I submit to you that these prayers are wonderful ways for us to get a sense of what God wants for us, of what the apostle wants for us, of setting some goals in our lives. But let me take this a step further. I mentioned that there are four of these prayers. And one of the questions that this study brings to mind immediately is, is there any one thing that Paul prays for in all four of these prayers? That would be worth noting if there is. Because we would obviously, I think, want to give priority to that and, and, and really pay attention to the one thing that Paul would pray for in all four prayers. Well, I'm a hopeless teacher. My work is to be a director of a Christian study center back in Gainesville, so I love to get in the classroom and do the work. So I'd really, I really wish we had 50 minutes here and you could do this work and we could open up these prayers and you could figure out the answer to this question. But I'll cut to the chase for you and save you the work this morning. There is one thing that shows up in all four of these prayers, and it's probably not what you expect it to be. It's not love. It's not faith. It's not righteousness or good works. It is in a word, literally in a word, knowledge. Now, let me quickly say the knowledge in view here is not simply sort of amassing data or knowing a bunch of stuff. It is a kind of a heightened Greek word, not the usual word for knowledge. It's an intensive form. And I think what's in view in Paul's prayers here that, there would, that, we, would, that we would grow in knowledge is it's the sort of knowledge that the New American Standard at one point translates with the term real knowledge. And the NIV translates at one point with the term true knowledge. The words that come to my own mind are words like understanding and realization. Finally, it's the, it's the knowledge of relationship itself. It's knowing someone, namely knowing God himself in Jesus Christ and coming to understand who he is well enough that that relationship is what frames our lives and moves us in all things. And the logic of Paul's prayer seems to be 
that if we will give ourselves to knowing God, and if, and if we come to understandings and realizations of who he is, other things are going to follow. Things like loving each other and giving ourselves to good works and to righteousness. Those things are going to be the fruit of knowing God more fully. Let me show it to you quickly in these prayers. We've already seen in Philippians that knowledge is there right alongside love, isn't it? This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. I'm not sure exactly the relationship of love and knowledge here. It's some kind of a dative construction for those of you who care about such things. Perhaps a dative of means that love abounds more and more as we know God better and gain a depth of insight into who he is. But somehow or another, growing in knowledge goes hand in glove with growing in love. And righteousness is a fruit of such a life that comes through the work of Jesus Christ in us. If we turn over to one of the other prayers in Colossians, just the next book over, we'll find it again in Colossians, chapter 1, verses 9 to 11 again. The key term shows up once again. Paul says, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you would live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way, bearing fruit in, in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. The specific aims of this prayer, again, are well worth noting, and I, I just point you to them, but wow, get a few moments with these. What do we want to grow in knowledge in order for? Just knowledge for knowledge's sake? No. In order that we would live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in everything and bearing fruit in every good work. Personally, that little list right there has been as helpful as any specific set of goals from any of these prayers. Again, how do we think about this coming week? Thinking about it in terms of relationship with Jesus Christ and saying, I want it to be a week in, a, in which I aim to walk worthy of my Lord and please him in anything and everything. Do you literally think of putting a smile on Jesus' face? <laughs> Do you ever have that sense that you and he are in something together and he enjoys it? You know, he's there for that. He wants to be in that way. If he's not in there that way, it's not his fault. He's right there and we miss him sometimes. But he wants to be there that way. That's why he came into this world in such a radical way, to be in our lives with us. And for us to think and live in those terms, I, want to, I just want to please him. Paul uses a similar phrase in 2 Corinthians 5. We make it our goal to please him, whether we're in this life or the next. He's what it's about. But where does the prayer begin and end? That God would fill us with a knowledge, there's that intensive term, a knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And it ends bearing good fruit in every good work and growing in that knowledge of God. Same term. A relationship with God in which we come to know him well enough to know what he wants, what he likes and to choose to want and like that with him.
bears fruit in a certain sort of life. And as we give ourselves to that life, we come to know him all the better and grow in knowledge. Ephesians 1 has another prayer. Chapter 1 again. Right at the beginning, Paul launches into a prayer. And in verse 17, he says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and His incomparably great power for us who believe. And it's hard to know just where this prayer ends. But what's particularly striking about this prayer is there is no mention of love or righteousness or faith or the fruit of good works or anything. All this prayer does is pray what you just heard, that we would have a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. And whether that's a capital S or a small s on spirit in your Bible, the effect is the same, that we would be wise as to who God is. And in knowing him and that a spirit of revelation would be at work, that it's God revealing himself. That's what matters to us. He is our orientation, not the idols that clamor for our attention, but him revealing himself in Jesus Christ so that we would know him better. Same term that we would know him better. And the language continues. I pray, Paul says, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Isn't that a great phrase? He doesn't just pray that you'd try harder to do better. He prays that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would see Jesus. We want to see you, Jesus. And Paul prays that we would, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, that we might know him and these things specifically, that we would know the hope of his calling. Your sister, whom Glenn referred earlier, is one for whom faith and hope have become sight and presence. <laughs> and Paul prays that those of us in this room right now would know the reality of the glories of that hope. That we would know the riches of his glorious inheritance, by which he means that we belong to Jesus and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power of the resurrection itself. One more prayer, the shortest prayer in the shortest of books. It comes from the little book of Philemon. It's tucked in there toward the back of your Bible just before you get to Hebrews. And it again starts with a simple little prayer. It's a prayer that's hard to know just how to interpret. It's the, the NIV reads, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Now, part of what's confusing is this phrase, sharing your faith. When we hear that language, we think of sharing our faith probably with those who don't have our faith, of sort of witnessing to our faith to those who don't know Christ. But the, but the picture here is not that. The picture here is, is the picture of fellowship. It is what we as believers share with each other in Christ. And Paul is praying that that fellowship, that koinonia, would come to life, be effective through the knowledge of every good thing we have in Christ, which is what we share together. That's what constitutes our fellowship. 
every good thing that we share in Christ. And so Paul is praying that Philemon, who is receiving this letter, would receive his dear brother Onesimus no longer as a servant or slave, but as a brother in Christ, who is to be received brother to brother and loved brother to brother. And Paul's prayer is that their fellowship, what they as two brothers truly share in Christ, would spring to life for Philemon through the realization of every good thing that he enjoys in Jesus, that he and Onesimus enjoy in Jesus together. The same logic, I think, occurs in all four of these prayers. And I think it's pretty striking that Paul doesn't just pray that we would all be better people. He does pray that. He does give us some great specific goals, objectives for life, of good works, of fellowship, of love that abounds. I encourage you to make your own list from those prayers. But at the heart of it, he says, what I really, really, really want for you is to grow in a knowledge of God and in the realization of every good thing that you have in Jesus Christ. The implication then, I think, of what we've just seen in these prayers is that if we want to grow in Christ, if we want to live the life that God wants for us, and that I think we in this room this morning want for ourselves genuinely, if we want to grow in that sort of life, we don't do it simply by trying harder to do better. We don't do it by simply trying harder to do better. We grow by giving ourselves more fully to knowing God. Giving ourselves more fully to knowing God and thereby realizing, understanding more of who He is in His grace and His goodness and His power and His presence. And realizing the good things that we have in Him, that becomes the motivation to seek these goals of a love that abounds of excellence, of a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing to Him, of good works and lively fellowship. Well, let me conclude then with just a thought or two about this implication, how we might sort of put it to work in our own lives, even in this week. It does seem to me that if the, one of the points of these prayers is that we not just try harder to do better, but that we give ourselves more fully to knowing God, that we could do well here to go right back to Relationships 101. I don't have anything profound or new to say to you, so you can prepare yourself for that disappointment. But I will say, it's stuff that I think probably we all need to hear. What does a good relationship require? What does it take to cultivate the kind of relationship where you get to know someone and come to appreciate more fully who he or she is? The same principles are going to apply to our relationship with God. And so I suggest two things. One is that a relationship with God and growing in that knowledge of him is going to require some time and attention. And so I ask you this morning, in what ways will you this week give time and attention to your relationship with God? When and where and how will you give yourself the chance to get to know him better? When and where and how in your life will that happen? Just as all of us who 
have raised families, been parts of families, know that you have to have meals together as families, that it's essential to building relationships, to getting to know each other and caring for each other. So having times that are given to knowing God and simply being with him are essential in our relationship to him. Not every family meal is a magic moment. Not every moment given to knowing God is going to be a magic moment. But I can guarantee you this, if we won't give ourselves to those moments, we won't grow in knowing each other. We won't grow in knowing God. The comparison to these human relationships, I think, really holds well. You know how a good marriage works, how a good friendship works, how family dynamics works, how being a congregation works. Relationships and growing in knowing each other requires time and attention. There is this sad tendency that we've all experienced where we tend to give the most important relationships sometimes the leftovers of our lives, as it were. And that can happen as easily in our relationship with God as anywhere. Will we determine this week to give ourselves to him time and attention to that relationship? You know, it's not just personal relationships. It's any kind of knowledge, it occurs to me. I've thought and have thought particularly this weekend about things like knowing the moon or knowing about the moon or knowing the birds in your yard. You know, those of us who live inland like to think that those of you who live on the coast are really up on the moon and tides and things and that you sort of lined the beach last night to see the moon rise out of the ocean and see once again this beautiful full moon that we just had this weekend. But, you know, the moon's always there. It's not a question of whether it's there. The the only question is whether we're paying attention to it, and therefore we know it's times and seasons. We know that it comes out of the ocean at this point in the summer and at this point in the winter, and, and we know where we are with it because we give it time and attention. We take a walk at night and pay attention to it. For me, lately, it's been the birds and hearing them sing and paying attention. And I love this one because... Because it's, it's made me realize, if I, if I really do want to know the birds in my yard, I actually need to take a step or two in their direction. Put up a bird feeder, get some suet out there, maybe a bird bath. And then I actually organize my life in a way that I'm at the window at the right time to be able to see the birds. I did put up a bird feeder, did get the suet out there. And for a while it was good, but then I changed my place where I work and never see the birds anymore. I, you know, it's, it's a very simple idea, isn't it? You don't get to know something even much less someone, if we don't give time and attention. Let's give time and attention to God that we would be able to know him, push those idols out of our lives that clamor for attention, and give him that time and attention instead. And last, second, relationships require two-way communications if they're going to really flourish. I don't know whether you think in these terms in your relationship with God, but I encourage you to. That there's listening and talking for you with him. He wants both. (laughs) He doesn't just want to do all the talking. Isn't that interesting? God doesn't just want to do all the talking. He invites you to talk to him, to pray to him, to praise him. Jesus comes to Peter at the best chapter of John. Peter, do you love me? I want to hear you say it, Peter. Will you tell me you love me? Two-way communications. And I encourage you this week, as you give time and attention to God, to give time and attention to that notion. Two-way communication. I want to listen to God, and I want to express myself to him. 
I want to get my Bible open. And I don't mind if I find my favorite spots all over again. Yeah, we should have some disciplined study, but, you know, go to the Gospels, go to the Psalms, linger over them, take these prayers we've looked at today. And again, I ask, when, where, and how will it happen? If you don't know the answer right now to where, when, and how, then I can almost guarantee you it ain't going to happen. If you do know the answer to where, when, and how, I am going to stop my life and pause over Scripture and give myself a chance to listen. Then there's the chance that it will happen, a good chance that it will happen. And I encourage you, start very practically. Know when and where and how you're going to get a chance to listen. And give yourself expression. Wow. I, you know, for me, the, uh, if you can write poetry, write poetry. If you can write a song, write a song. If you're like me, that's not in my repertoire. So I go with the folks who have already done it. The psalmist at Psalm 145 we just, we just read today responsively. Psalm 103. I mean, have your favorite psalms and go back to them over and over. Um, this little document right here, I hope it doesn't end up in the trash can within the next hour. This is a great way to move yourself way through the week. My guess is Mike might have said this once or twice. I don't know. But if he hasn't, he should have. Um, there's wonderful, wonderful ways to listen to God right here. And wonderful, wonderful ways to express yourself to God. I, I will say, I had forgotten the words of Rock of Ages. And, and one of the reasons why it's good to have some hymns, a hymnal, a prayer book, some choruses ready to give you expression is that they will bring you back to what matters so much. Wow, it's page 500. You may have to sit there and read it for yourself. I'm not sure I could do it. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, Savior, lest I die. While I draw this fleeting breath, when mine eyelids close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne, rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. I submit to you that a relationship that flourishes with God, the kind of relationship that bears fruit and good works and love that abounds, is the kind of relationship where you and God sit down together and you say this hymn to him. And if he can't sing it, that's all right. And if you think you got no voice, that's all right. And in your very words to him, you will hear words that you need so much to know are true about him. And you get to grow in knowing God and the riches of Jesus Christ. Didn't know we were going to sing this one this morning. I asked if we could conclude with the one we're about to finish with. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes assail me. He, my Savior, makes me whole. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend.
It's hymn number 100, uh, where is it? Hymn number 498. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. We'll sing it in just a moment. Let me go ahead and close our time here with prayer as we come to do that. Lord God, you are so gracious, so good to us. You've again met with us this morning as we have come to worship you. Thank you for times like this. May we take them in all seriousness. May we come prepared to listen to you. To hear your word again, to hear prayers that direct our attention to you and that a spirit of wisdom and revelation would be in this place that we might see Jesus and that we would come eager for that to happen. We thank you also for the words that you give us here in this hour by which we can say things to you and sing in our broken, faltering ways and play our instruments to your praise and somehow say something to you in which we get to just say, Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much that you are who you are and that you are going to be there again this week. May we not just ignore you. May we not turn to idols. May we not just sort of try harder to do better. But may we turn to you and look to you. Give time and attention to our relationship with you. Listen to you and talk to you. Thank you that you are a God who invites all of that and that through Jesus you have opened the way that we might come. Jesus, what a friend of sinners. What a Savior. Hallelujah. What a friend. We pray in your name and give you thanks. Amen.